Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Two Brothers, One Mike, Season 5, Episode 18. I know I've been getting these a little mixed up lately. Today is truly Season 5, Episode 18. Today we're going to be talking about exercising when you're under the weather. Tony, how's it going today? It's going pretty good. Um, yeah, we I, it's been a crazy this season uh, where um, we've had a lot of shows where we had to move things around and guests have to move their schedules around sometimes. So it gets, it, it, we've learned, we're, we're, we're learning as we go, even as we finish up uh, season five here, we're, we're coming close, that, it, it, you know, people's schedules are crazy. Uh, things come up at the last minute and I mean, what are you going to do? But um, yeah, I I was really confused when I was, when I was doing the cliff notes, so to speak, for this, for this particular episode. I think I had this as 19. And this is actually 18. And you know what You know what the beautiful thing about it is? Uh, in 2027, someone's going to be listening to this show and saying, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. Uh, it's really only for the people who will literally follow every single week. Um, and and I, we want to say this real quick uh, again to everybody. I think in the beginning of each show, Joe, we're going to start throwing it out there. Folks, this show is not just about exercise and nutrition. It's about mental well-being. It's about different aspects of life and how they how they touch us, mind, body, and spirit uh, as we switch over from mind, body, and soul uh, to mind, body, and spirit and understanding that that all these things have something to do with being a healthy you. And so when we talk about things like parenting in the 40s and 50s as opposed to today, or we talk about um, integral emotion, uh, incidental emotion, uh, these are concepts uh, that that uh, affect us when it comes to exercise and nutrition. Your ability to to overcome the eighty percent that you're taking care of from the shoulders up is uh, way more important than what you're going to need to do from the shoulders down. So it's always uh, something that we need people to understand that this show is about a lot more than just intermittent fasting and bicep curls. Um, and that's so far from where we're going with this uh, when we're asked, are you changing direction with the show simply because an episode doesn't have anything to do about exercise? Um, no, uh, we are not. This is mind, body, and spirit. This is a little bit of everything uh, and how it affects us in our health mentally and physically uh, and spiritually. So so understand that that's what you're getting from this show. Now, um, Joe, I, I would have to say, agree or disagree, not every show is going to be something that interests somebody. Somebody is looking for specifically exercise shows. I'd say in the almost 100 episodes, we've done about 12 or 13 of them now. Uh, anyone who's looking for nothing but a nutritional show uh, based on whatever it may be, eating lifestyles, um, I'd say we've done about 14 or 15 of those shows at this point. So you have close to 30 shows where it's just that. And then you have a lot of great interviews you know, with clinical psychologists and with gastroenterologists and farm, uh, you know, pharmacists, and just people who have great stories to tell about how they've overcome and persevered through life. So, so it's a little bit of all of that, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If you're wondering what Two Brothers What Mike is about, uh, that's what it's about. It's two guys with something to say <laughs> uh, about life in general and how it affects us uh, and affects our health mentally and physically. Uh, a lot of people have been asking me that question. Are you changing direction? No, we're not. Today's show is about exercise or when you shouldn't do it uh, is what I what I should say, Joe. Anything you want to add to what I just said 
before we we go on. No, I I mean I think you said it all right there. Uh, you know we we we, we want to keep things. Uh, we want to make sure we're giving a variety uh, to our listeners uh, because. Again, like you said, not everybody's looking for the same thing out of a, out of their podcast. And so there may be episodes that some people are like, yeah, I'll give it a pass. Let me know when you're having another interview and you'll see that within our our uh, uh, list of, of episodes. Um, you know, it, it's just we're trying to appease a little bit of every every genre, at least within the the uh, health, healthy and well-being genre that is uh, when it comes yeah. to podcasts. Sure. Absolutely. It, it it is good to stick within a genre. We we've done a re, we you know, we do a lot of research on podcasting and we know that it is good to to reach out to a a niche uh, of people. And if you're looking for something that's health, mind, body, and spirit, you found it. You're here. Hi. <laughs> that's us. Uh and yeah, that's basically what our show's about. I've always felt like we need to have our own genre. Anywhere I go to go to like if I want to start a new um, you know, like we go to Amazon. Right, mm-hmm. uh, we're on Amazon podcasting, and they'll say, "Well, what is your podcast about?" And then they give you this or this or this, and I'm like, "No, it's this and this and this." And then I always end up with sports and nutrition because, like, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that I can pick that truly describes what our podcast is because we're a few different things. We're not always going to talk about one certain thing. But however, there's that. However, we had a meeting. Uh, well, I don't want to date. It's, I'm dating it now. If you're listening to this three years from now, we had a meeting recently, which if you're listening to it three years from now, we had that meeting a long time ago. Uh, that may change all that, Joe. So we'll see where uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, kind of excited about that opportunity and see we'll see where where it takes us. But where is it taking us today? It's taking us to exercise and a lot of you not understanding that when you're under the weather, there's pretty good chance you should probably step away for a while. Well, for how long? Well, that depends. What are the rules of thumb? We're going to tackle that today. Uh, you know, growing up, uh, I remember being sick. We went to school. Uh, you yeah, the sniffles or a cough. You went to school. Um, they didn't want to hear, you know, parents had to go to work. There's nobody watching you. Daycare. That wasn't a, that wasn't a big thing back then. There was daycares. That wasn't a big thing back then. You were going to school. You sneeze into your into your arm. You coughed into your arm. You were mindful of those around you, and you went to school. Uh, unless you were in Miss Passera, God rest her soul, uh, fourth grade teacher at Gordon School in Campbell, Ohio. If you sneezed or coughed without covering your mouth, there was a good chance, Joe, you were not going to make it out of that classroom alive. Um, she was very, she was a stickler when it came to that. She, she could almost, she could feel the sneeze coming from somewhere in the room and would immediately focus on you and, and watch your, your body language. If you did not sneeze into your elbow, uh, and sneezed anywhere in any direction towards any other child, man, uh, God be with you because nobody else would be. And it was, it was, she was something else when it came to that. But I get it. I get it. And, and we're going to talk a little bit about that at the end here when we talk about weight room etiquette, uh, which is a whole show that we have, right, Joe, uh, when it comes to uh, being mindful of others in the weight room. So there's there's a lot, a lot to un- uncover here, and there's so much more that could probably go into this show. 
but we're going to hit the basics today. When you're sick, from what my, my understanding has always been, there is a rule of thumb and it's called the neck rule. How many people, Joe, have you ever heard of the neck rule before when it comes to being sick as far as working out or not working out? No, no. it's no. first. It, it's, it's a new one for you. My leg is itching like crazy today. Spring is here. Um, I don't know why. Allergies start acting up. My legs start itching. What's that all about, ladies and gentlemen? You're supposed to sneeze and have runny, you know, watery eyes and water, runny nose and cough. No, my legs start itching. So weird. Anyway, uh, I don't know where, where that was going to take us. But uh, when, when it comes to the neck rule, as we get back on track, it's the above the neck and the below the neck, Joe. Uh, and for all our listeners out there, above the neck, good chance you may still be able to get some type of workout in. So when we're talking about above the neck, you're talking about the sniffles. You're talking about a mild cough, uh, nothing major, uh, out of control coughing that we've all we've all been a part of that uh, unfortunate situation. Um, fever, some of you are saying, because that seems to be above the. That's that's hang on. <laughs> that's a, that's an exception to the rule. But when you have that sniffle and that cough and maybe a runny nose, working out is is an option. It really is. But what you have to do is you have to watch, uh, ladies and gentlemen, what type of working out. If you're talking about high-intensity interval training, probably not a good idea. Uh, I'm talking more like, uh, you know, your 30 to 40-minute stretching routine, which is a very important workout. We talk about flexibility. We talk about the cooling down and the warming up. We talk about stretching uh, in several shows here on Two Brothers One Mike. Find them, you know, click on them and listen. So it is a workout. And that is something you can do when you have that above the neck roll with the sniffles and the cough. Uh, yoga, which kind of fits right into what I just was talking about, of uh, type of core strength, stability, mobility, flexibility, very important aspects of training, foundational training. And uh, so when you're doing that, uh, that is something that could be acceptable. High intensity interval training, here's the problem with that. When you are working out, you are compromising your immune system. I'm talking about, now Joe, I'm talking about when you're working out in a healthy way. You're tearing your body down. We've talked about this before, and, and any trainer will talk about this. The working out part is not the building part. It's the tearing down to build up bigger, faster, stronger. And so when you're tearing down in that workout, your immune system is compromised to a certain extent, to a certain degree, ladies and gentlemen. So what you have to be looking at here is if you are working out heavy and you have somewhat of a cough and, and a, a runny nose and sneezing and, and things like that, that your, your immune system is compromised and now it's even more compromised because of the heavy high intensity interval training that you're doing or the heavy lifting that you're doing or the plyometrics that you're taking part in um, or, or the long distance run that you decide you're going to do. These are all things that are going to break down your immune system even further while it's already being broke down by this minor cough, sneezing attack that you may have. So keep the workout in the above the neck rule. Keep it to a very light workout, a walk. Why not? A brisk walk even for that matter. Not a run, not a jog, not sprinting uphill, but a walk for so many minutes during the day, 15 to 30 minutes, just to keep yourself up and moving. It's not always a bad thing when you have just a minor head cold. 
That's the above the neck rule. Does that make sense, Joe? Let, let me ask you a question. Have you ever gone with the above the neck rule when it comes to your workouts personally? Unknowingly, yes. But uh, I was always told, and maybe you could shed some light on this as well, um, that when you're dealing with that, you know, I mean, we were talking about like maybe uh, uh, sinuses or uh, allergies. I mean, again, when we're talking about a cough and you're saying in your throat, that's more of a sinus drainage as opposed to something that's coming from your chest, which would be below the neck. That makes no sense. But when you're getting that blood flow going, is that does that help also to um, uh, bring about like, you know, some healing, some, some, uh, uh, I don't know. Does it, does it reduce the amount of time that you're dealing with that head cold? Uh, that would definitely be something a doctor would have to answer as far as would blood flow reduce the time of healing for a common cold. I honestly do not know. Uh, is blood flow good? Yes. Does blood uh, flow carry nutrients to the muscles and to the tissues for repair? It does. But, and we're going to actually talk about this in a minute when it comes to blood flow and the fact that blood carries oxygen, right? Uh, and, and, and blood is saturated with oxygen. So, many well, of the, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, it, it, it actually, I'm going to answer my own question, I guess. Um, obviously, it's a virus, and so it's going to have to run its course. But what I'm talking more about is alleviating the symptoms of, you know, a head cold or what have you. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that? As far as doing some type of heavy intensity training? No, no. Just uh, even what you're saying. Uh, the light Getting up and just moving. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Getting up and moving. I mean, we, we talk about this when it comes to people who have different types of arthritic, you know, problems. Getting up and moving when it comes to joints and, and you know, people who have these type of problems where they are uh, immobile. Uh, mobility is always better from that aspect. It's also... Getting up and moving for a short period of time is good for you. It is, but you have to you have to couple that with twice as much rest. So we're going to talk about sleep a little bit later on here in this in this particular episode, and the importance of it, which we've already talked immensely about sleep and its importance, not only in a show that we did called Sleep, uh, but also I believe our anthropologist from California, uh, Gina Bria. Uh, spoke a lot about sleep when it comes to hydration. Um, so two different episodes that would be fantastic for people to check out. Um, when it comes to when it comes to below the neck, when it comes to below the neck, this is where you have to maybe shut it down for a certain period of time. Anything bronchial. You were just talking about coughing. That's why I said if it's a light cough, if you're coughing and you can feel the wheeze, you know, and people can hear the wheeze. You can, you, you, the, the mucus build up. Uh, I, I and, and try not to be ignorant, but you get the phlegm, you know, and you have to spit it out. Uh, and when you look at it in the sink, you're like, okay, that's brown and green and yellow. Uh, that's very much bronchial. And, uh, and so you definitely are shutting down the workout. And even Joe getting up and getting up and moving for a little bit around. Uh, they even say, they even say that like, uh, patients with pneumonia, um, uh, to get up for, you know, two minutes and stretch a little bit and, and move around the room and then go right back, you know, to what you were doing, which is nothing, uh, laying down is very good for you. So there's a lot to, the, you know, a lot to be said there. Maybe we'll talk, you know, when we talk to our doctors, we'll, we'll ask that exact question when it comes to exercise 
and is it good for you uh, at what point when you are below the neck, uh, when you have bronchial um, diarrhea, body aches, body fatigue. This is your body telling you to shut it down. And it really is a time to not only put the high intensity training to the side and the plyometrics and the weight thing and, you know, the low level plyometrics like jumping rope and, and running and sprinting. It, it's time to rest and relax and getting up for a few minutes to stretch is fine, but then going right back to doing what you were doing. Now, it also depends on your oxygen levels. Um, and, and we'll talk about that, you know, here in a second, but you know, what we have to understand is again, when it comes to our immune system, it's breaking down during the workout slightly breaking down during the workout as a healthy individual period. So if you are suffering from any of the symptoms from the neck below, you have to understand that you need to go ahead and shut it down. If it's the neck above you have to monitor the situation, stay with the light workout, and, and keep it within that realm. Um, I know that doesn't necessarily answer the question that, that you asked, but you, you, well, you kind of answered your own question uh, when, when you were talking about that. But uh, that is something that I think we make a note of uh, to basically, um, I don't know, what, what do I want to say here? Talk to the doctor about, ask, our, ask a doctor about well, when we do talk to him. Um, any questions on that, Joe? Any questions you think somebody might ask uh, from our, you know, it's beautiful folks out there. You can actually ask us questions. You can, you can ask us questions in the comments on YouTube. Uh, you can ask us questions. Uh, I, I, I can guarantee you, you can, uh, we even are starting doing polls now where you can, you know, we'll do a poll question. And I, I think we should do a poll question for this particular episode as well. And you guys can ask us questions and we can answer them to the best of our ability. Or, Joe, we can do a show about the question that's being asked. But you guys have to ask the questions. We can't just guess. But, Joe, if you had to guess today, what would be a question you think somebody might ask based on what I've said so far anyway? I've already asked it. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's all I could come up with at this point. At that point? Well, let's, let's, say, let's say this. Um, what if somebody, or, so we're going to, we're making this stuff up now, right? We're making the questions up in our head that we think might be asked. What if somebody says, how can you monitor the situation in terms of knowing we, we just talked about our oxygen levels, right? So anybody out there who doesn't know what your, what your oxygen level is, um, if you've ever been in the hospital, you're you know, you've and minor, out, you know, outpatient surgery or surgery where you're staying in the hospital, you're in there for a while. You 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 got rushed, unfortunately, to the hospital for some reason. You're in emergency. They'll hook up, you know, what we call a pulse oximeter, okay, to your finger, and you'll be able to look and you'll see the monitor where you'll see your pulse, you know, your blood pressure, your heart rate, and you also see that oxygen level percentage wise, and you always like to see that thing ninety five percent or higher, um, and. The rule of thumb is, and uh, so listen, out there, Joe, I don't know if you've ever, you have, do you have a pulse oxometer? No. I, any chance? I, so it's, it's just a simple thing that goes on your finger, ladies and, ladies and gentlemen. Now, they used to be extremely expensive back in the day. I don't know how long ago this was, but I could swear there were times when I would see these things going for over $500. 
And I would just say, there's no way. Uh, I'm not buying that for 500 plus dollars. Uh, I, I think actually there were some that were over $700. Uh, I don't know what kind of, they must have done, you know, a little extra, a little extra fanciness, uh, but it, not not for that kind of money. Uh, they now go for, I, I, I've seen them for $25. Uh, and you can get them at, uh, you can get them at Walgreens. You can get them at pretty much any drugstore, I believe. CVS, Rite Aid. Uh, it's it's very simple purchase. Uh, I don't have one, but I'm going to get one. I'm going to get one because here's what I love about it. You put it on your finger and ladies and gentlemen, within 35, 40, 45 seconds, maybe a minute tops, it will tell you where your oxygen levels are at in your body. You're always looking for 95 or above. Uh, my, my, here's my thing, my rule. Uh, Joe, if you're going to do this, when you're healthy, put it on and see where your oxygen levels are. So you have a benchmark. So let's say yours fall at 98%, okay? So now you know when you put it on and you feel like you're a little bit under the weather, but you don't feel too, too bad. So you kind of want to get a light walk in or, or some yoga, some stretching. So you put it on, okay? And you look and it says 97, 98 or 96, 97, say, okay, I'm feeling pretty good. If it says 93, 94, this is probably where you want to say, okay, maybe I'm not going to do anything today. So folks, anytime you you start dropping closer to 90, that's a cause for concern uh, with your oxygen levels in your body. When you start getting an 88, 89, that's, that's an automatic visit to the doctor, possibly the hospital, where you probably, Joe, I would say, want some type of supplementary oxygen hooked up to you and a little bit of help uh, and while they figure out what's going on with your, you know, with your system, what's going on with your breathing uh, and why are you having such a hard time? Why are you laboring through this process? What do you have? Is it a, the possibly, is it possibly the beginning of, you know, is it flu-like symptoms or is it the beginning of some type of bronchial infection, uh, pneumonia? So these are the things you want to start checking out when you're when your levels fall that low. So it's actually a good thing to have in your house, kind of like a like a fire detector in a home, right? It, 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 or or um, which, what, a carbon, um, carbon monoxide detector, which every home should have. We have one. Um, do you have one? Yeah, absolutely. I have to have one for the uh, fostering. It's one of the things. We have to have fire extinguishers, ah. carbon monoxide, uh, smoke detectors, everything has to be here. Otherwise, we, we're not a... Uh, uh, we're not able to get licensed through the state of Ohio. So, I like the way I threw that in there real quick, like I put you on the spot. I didn't even like give you a chance to even think about it. Um, but you you came through with that. That was you scored a hundred percent on that, which is where everybody wants their oxygen levels to be. Just you know, I, I don't you know. One other thing too, uh, beyond those that that you know want want it just to figure out whether or not you know just how sick they are. Uh, a lot of people have them too. Just. Um, you know, they already have something going on, emphysema, COPD. Uh, you know, you have people who have long COVID, which is a thing. Oh, and, and of course, COVID is, all, I think that's probably why things got so much cheaper. Um, you know, like you're saying, 40, 50 seconds before you get an answer, whereas a hospital grade, you probably get it within three to five seconds. So it's a matter of time, uh, probably an accuracy thing as well. Uh, you know, at the hospital, they're going to want something more accurate. But if you're off by half a percent one way or the other, and you're just kind of monitoring, you could probably deal with that, uh, that little less accurate um, result. So uh, I'm just thinking that 
you know, like again, with COVID being a thing, I think that probably opened the market up, opened the floodgates uh, for people to get these 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 out for manufacturers to start producing them and and you know uh, the, do, whatever, yeah, the do, do what everybody else did for the for the Corona years, make as much money as possible. Yeah, I mean the demand was definitely uh, a borderline ridiculous, right? I mean, understandably ridiculous, but why not? Uh, and Hey, if, uh, if that helps everybody purchase one, you know, being able to lower the price because the demand is so high, um, then, you know, so be it. But yeah, so it's funny you say accuracy in terms of the hospital being more accurate than the one that you may purchase at Walgreens or Rite Aid or CVS, uh, because we're going to listen to our sponsor here, 30 to 45 second ad, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a study that was done on which fingers you should put your pulse oximeter on to get the most accurate results. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Two Brothers, One Mike is sponsored by Kitchen Apps, perfectly prepared portions. Hey, Youngstown area listeners, it's Joe from T-Bomb. Once again, we're talking about Kitchen Abs, but this time we're talking about their great selection of pancake mixes you can order right from their site. Now, whether you like blueberry cobbler, strawberry shortcake, they even have banana nut bread super cakes. You can rest assured, Kitchen Abs has you covered. And maybe you're not a fan of all these flavors or prefer something a little more traditional Then the buttermilk flavored mix would be the perfect fit for your breakfast. The best part about all of this these mixes are made from scratch with top-of-the-line ingredients that are all nutritionally balanced. And with up to 36 grams of protein per serving, you just can't go wrong. Now, for more information or to place your order, go to kitchenabs.com. That's kitchenabz.com and get started today. Welcome back, everybody. So, Joe, you were talking about at the end of the first segment there, uh, the possible, which probable, I would say, reasons why uh, the pulse oximeter pricing uh, decreased at such a rapid rate during the COVID years, um, and and understandably so. Uh, you also said something that that sparked my interest because it's something I want to talk about. It's a study. You talked about the accuracy of these things in the hospital as opposed to what they may be uh, when you purchase them at your local drugstore. So uh, there was a study, and it, w- it was done in in uh, the National Library of Medicine, PubMed, uh, is, is who brought this study to this particular uh, site, the National Library of Medicine. Joe is going to include a link to this study for those of you who want to geek out and are interested in it. Um, and he's going to include the link here in the description of this particular episode. So in this study, they took and uh, forgive me if I, if you guys read this study and I messed up on any of the numbers, I apologize in advance, but I bet you I'm pretty close. There were 37 participants in this study. And I think, Joe, that all 37 of them were either post-op or pre-op. So they were they were going to have some type of procedure done. Uh, 24 females, 13 males, and uh, I believe they all they all ranged in the ages of 18 to 30 years old. I may be off a little bit with the age, but I believe it was between the ages of 18 and 30. So with these 37 individuals, they took all 10 fingers on both hands and they put on the pulse oximeters to measure um, the O2 levels of each individual 
to find out what was the fastest and the most accurate levels when it comes to um, what we call the arterial oxygen saturation. Big word, folks. And I got it. Arterial O2 saturation. So when you're talking about how much blood, how much blood, how much oxygen is in the blood, how much oxygen is saturated within the blood, okay? Because oxygen is not just something, you know, you just breathe in and out. It's saturated into the tissues of the body, very important to the blood and the tissues of the body. And so you're looking to find out what those percentages are. And they were looking for the most accurate way to do it and which fingers gave the most accuracy. What they found in this study was that, and so folks, if you have a pulse oximeter at home, this is where I want you to use it on your right middle finger. Now, I've used my right middle finger in the past, Joe, while in traffic in Michigan. And I'm not proud to say that, but such a horrible human being I am. But now I find out. <laughs> I figured I better move because it didn't look right behind my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, uh, and folks, that brings up, listen, I want to say this real quick as my ADD kicks in. Those of you who are wondering what we're doing, if you're listening in audio, the unfortunate part about that is in video, you know what Joe just did and you can kind of see my facial expressions. So Spotify offers us in video and so does YouTube. Uh, that's where we are at in video. If you enjoy audio, you can just imagine what me and Joe were just doing to add some humor to the fact that the right middle finger is the best way to figure out your arterial O2 saturation, your oxygen levels, okay? So the right middle finger and the right thumb are the two best fingers to use in order to find that out. So if you have one at home, you're feeling under the weather, you're going to figure out whether or not your oxygen levels are high enough so that you can get in your workout that day, whether it's a light workout or a heavy workout, you got to be, you know, pay attention to all the rules we listed earlier. That's the fingers I want you to put them on in order to find out. And I think within, I think it's, I, I want to say it's between 35 and 45 seconds, a minute tops, you should have your oxygen levels delivered to you by putting it on those two fingers, one or the other. Uh, so that is a, a very interesting study, Joe, and so much more went into that uh, study. Um, you know, with, with studies, they break down the abstract and they, they take, they break down everything about these people, their height, their weight. Again, I told you, I gave you guys a little bit in terms of age and male or female. And I, I set the scene a little bit terms that they were pre-op or post-op patients uh, having procedures done. Uh, but again, when you purchase your pulse oximeter, I encourage you to take it immediately while healthy so you have a benchmark to play off of, of where your oxygen levels are normally at in a healthy state so you know what that might be when you are feeling a little bit under the weather and how far or how close you are to that healthy state. Uh, does that make sense, Joe? Did I, did, I, did I touch on that? Again, that study is long and detailed for those who want to geek out a little bit and, and, and check it out. I, I, I went through it, uh, and it was interesting to me, so I, I followed through it. I believe the study was done if I didn't say it. I think I did say it, but if not, it was in 2015. Did I mention that? I don't know that I did. No, thank you. So that was, 
So that was about seven years ago. So again, the numbers, breaking them down. Healthy, usually you want to see your oxygen levels once you look at that reading, 95 and above. That, that right there can pretty much determine your, your type of workout you're going to do. If you're talking between 90 and 95, that's, a, that's some concern there. And anything below 90 is a visit to the doctor, in my personal opinion. The doctor may say to you, anything below 92, you better be coming to see me. And they need to figure out what it is exactly you have or what, it, what the beginnings of what you have are so that that could be handled immediately because that type of infection is something that usually is going to be handled by antibiotics. Uh, and whatever the doctor does, and they're good at it, to cure that particular infection and get that immune system back up to 100. Uh, there's one more thing we're going to talk about today uh, when it comes to uh, exercising under the weather. We've mentioned it already. I'm going to mention it again. If you're not sleeping, I don't know what to tell you. It is so important at this point in time, especially, especially if this is bronchial, if this is, if it's COVID, okay? We'll say that. If it's COVID, if it's, if it's pneumonia, you're probably in the hospital. Uh, or, or, or there's extra care being given to you at that point in time. At least initially you are. Uh, heavy flu-like symptoms. Anything where bronchitis, anything where you were suffering from that type of infection, you need to understand that your body needs rest. Not just sitting up and watching reality TV all day on your couch. I'm talking you need to be in those cycles and in those stages that we talk about the five that we talk about in our show about sleep. When we talk about rapid eye movement and we talk about all those cycles and we talk about the dream cycles, we talk about the beginning uh, when you can wake up with the snap of a finger as, or, or when you're in a deeper sleep and how long it takes to get to that deeper sleep. You need to be sleeping. In my opinion, I, I, I challenge a doctor to, to let me know if I'm wrong. Nine to 10 hours a day should be in sleep there when it comes to being under the weather and not working out. All right. Besides getting up to stretch. I venture to say if you're, if you're under the weather to that degree where you should be, your body's probably letting you know anyways, uh, okay. probably not going to be something difficult to do. I know there's been times where I've been, you know, hit with the flu. I don't care what I wanted to do. My, my body's like, nope, you're going back to sleep. There's, you're not getting up right now. The, uh, Legs are all weak, and there, there's no way I would I would accomplish much anyhow. No. So some people will ask this question: Well, if I sleep all day, what am I going to do? I'm going to be up all night. Anybody who's ever listen, if it's a common head cold, you're going to get your normal rest. You're going to get your normal rest. But if it is what we were just talking about, and it's bronchial, and it's it's a serious infection, and you're on antibiotics that are are you you're you're down for seven to ten to 14 business days and the weekends. Uh, folks, your body is going to have no problem going back to sleep at night, okay? Uh, and they have different, uh, different medications that, that help that, that, extra, that extra boost to, to shut you down and allow your body to get that extra rest. So I don't, I don't think, I, when I, I have not been extremely sick, even when I had COVID. I've had COVID once. It didn't, it, I got, I got lucky. 
I, I, I'll say that I got lucky. Um, it was just one of those lethargic, you know, I was very lethargic, a couple sniffles in the beginning, never really a fever, just lethargic and, and then okay again. So I didn't experience what, what thousands and thousands, uh, have experienced and continue to experience. Uh, I, I don't think I've ever had bronchitis. See, I got, bron- I got bronchitis from the COVID. So yeah, it was a nice little gift left for me. Uh, Did you have a problem sleeping? No, but also, uh, again, it was just like this tickle on my throat that wouldn't stop. It was real ridiculous. Um, it didn't feel like, like bronchitis, you think like a heavy, you know, well, that's probably more pneumonia, but it, it was just this constant nagging little, not even a cough. It was just always having to clear your throat, always, you know, yeah. production, phlegm production, and not that disgusting stuff, like clear. It just, it made no sense. And it took chest x-rays and uh, visiting the urgent care where they were like, listen, this is, this is known to happen. Um, and so they just put me on an antibiotic and within three or four days, I was completely fine. But, uh, yeah, that was, I just, well, I, I just recently got the bill for that x-ray. So, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, uh, about three, four months ago. What is the deal with that? Anyhow, why is it that you go to an emergency room and then they're like, Hey, surprise. You remember that thing you did four or five months ago? Here's your bill now. I mean, it, it, I feel like the insurance companies and and the uh, the hospitals, it's like they're in cahoots to kind of mess with people with their money. It's bad enough it costs money, right? You pay co-pays, you pay insurance out of your pays, and you, you, you know, you're already paying money for this stuff. And then they wait. They wait. They're like, hold, hold, <laughs> you know? Hey, spring study, spring study, like William Wallace. <laughs> yeah, everybody's everybody's spending money now. It's springtime. They're all fixing up the yards now, and they hit me with a hundred dollar bill for for a chest X ray to tell me that that I didn't have pneumonia because that's what they were X raying me for. So it was it wasn't even well. I guess that's a now is that a negative result or a positive result? Well, I don't know, but what I do feel like as my ADD kicked in while you were doing this is we should have our like a segment in the show like Joe's rant corner. Where where you can take anything we're talking about, and 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 go off about that, uh, and, and, and for and, and we could time it. You know, it could be a three minute rant. You know what I mean? And now, folks, Joe's rant coin, and I just it, then the screen, the camera just flies to you, and then you just go, you just did it was perfect what you just did. I personally, personally, I can't, folks. It's not it's not a secret. Insurance companies. I don't like you. I don't like you. Uh, and, and that's where I'll leave it. Uh, I, I don't hate them. That's a strong word. I don't like them. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I'm not buying a shirt. Well, you know, we, 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 we spend all this money, you know, and just to be told that you need more money. Oh, and by the way, let's, you know, don't even get me with the auto insurance. I think I'll save that one for a future. Cause I kind of like this rant corner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but just a quick works. little blurb you know is this like, is this chronic complaining that might be the question no you know what I, I think chronic complaining is a bunch of stuff that you can do nothing well you can't do anything about this but nobody else shares it in common we all share this stuff in common you know it's like you're 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 paying an insurance premium just to have an accident and then not only do you do your then your rates go up because you were in an accident but i was paying you and i you know they get you coming going staying you know, it just, uh, and, and, and now, because they know, like, 
you need insurance. Like you can't even drive without insurance. Don't get caught driving without insurance. Uh, that has its own set of problems that go along with what? it. Joe, you have one more minute? One more minute. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> uh, so that all said, um, I don't know. What else do we have for well, hanging out winners? So, you know, if you, boy, I hate to do this. I, I put warranty companies right there with insurance companies. Different show. Maybe we can have somebody on from the warranty company from my car, from my truck that expired uh, like a week before my thermostat was going. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so folks, see, we old tackle it and we're tiny at all. Yeah. Old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is one thing left though that I want to, and this is a question I think that that a lot of people will ask about as far as exercising under the weather is concerned. When, so let me ask you this question, Joe, if you can recall, you had the, the COVID and the bronchitis and, 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 and an extended COVID, so to speak. How long, if you had to guess, was it before you recovered? How long was the um, whole process? From the beginning of COVID through the bronchitis, five weeks, maybe, maybe it, within the sixth week is when I was actually, I, I was a hundred percent within the sixth week. So, so if we're talking, this is, this is high end now, folks. Sometimes when you're sick, it's, you know, three days. Some days, sometimes when you have what Joe had, it's six weeks. So well, I think a question, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, uh, but for me, the reason why it went on that long is because I wouldn't go, I didn't, as I had the, like I refused, but it was one of those things where it's like, it's just a little, <clears throat> you know, I mean, you just get these little coughs. It was nothing so bad or so, you know, I didn't have crazy symptoms. Um, and then after I tried, you know, the Robitussin and the, the NyQuil with honey and, you know, DayQuil with honey and all this stuff, I'm doing all this stuff. It finally got the Mucinex and more Mucinex. Um, it's like, okay, well, this isn't going away on, on its own. I need to finally go and, and see someone. So after a few weeks of trying those medicines, you know, otherwise it would have been gone the first week. But it wasn't. Let's say it was gone the first week, or let's say it was gone six weeks. That point is is not the relevant point here. It is a question I think a lot of people are going to ask. How do I ease back into my workout after being down for three days, one week, six weeks? Here's, here's the rule of thumb. You ease back according to how long you were out. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you what, if you're out for six weeks and you come back and you feel healthy, you do not go back. And we talked about this in foundational training, foundational training 101. It was in season one, audio only. Uh, if you scroll that will, that will of fortune, that price is right will that we have all the way back to within the first 10 episodes, I believe, of Two Brothers, One Mike. I talk about, we talk about foundational training. We talk about easing back in due to injury, sickness. Sickness plays the same role. You should be doing a lot of things slowly but surely to get back to where you were at. And it should take you, take a guess, six weeks to get back to that full go, push, and drive. If it's three days, common head cold, three days of easing back in. If it's one week, following week, you're feeling 100%, ease back in. 
What do you mean by ease back in? Doing foundational stuff, body weight squats, push-ups, planks, um, working with, with lightweight dumbbells and doing overhead presses, um, doing different types of stretching, yoga, everything that's going to help you ease back into building the foundation and building back up the body to get it prepared for that physical battle that you were doing before you went down for that certain period of time. It's real easy rule of thumb. How long were you down? You use back in for that same period of time until you get back to 100%. It's it's really not, you know, if you're down for six months, it should take you six months to get back to where you're at. It just should. Now, now, if you are an avid athlete, if you are ex- in extreme shape, if you are somebody who ranges in that max heart rate of 85 to 90% um, uh, when it comes to your workouts, aerobic, anaerobic, and you're in phenomenal shape. Uh, you may you may take six months and cut it to three. Uh, it may not take six months, but if you're if you're a beginner, it's going to take every bit. If you're intermediate, it's going to take close. All right. If you're an experienced extreme uh, type of you're somebody who's been competing in the CrossFit Games, uh, you're an Olympian. This is something where your body's going to make a comeback a little faster, but. Keep that rule of thumb in mind and monitor your situation throughout. And if you feel like you can go a little step further, a little bit harder, a little bit faster, go ahead and try it out and see where you end up. But monitor your body and see how you feel. Again, 95% oxygen levels and above when you measure yourself, right middle finger, right thumb, oximeters, right? Pulse oximeters at your local drugstore, $25. 45 seconds to a minute, you'll have your pulse. You understand, measure when you're healthy. Have that as your benchmark. When you're under the weather, keep measuring it. Anything below 95, slow and steady, stretching, maybe a little bit of walking. You get below 92 to 90, it's probably a doctor's visit. You get below that, it's probably a hospital visit. Let them find out what's wrong with you. That's pretty much covering everything that I could cover today on this show, Joe. On On this episode. On this episode. Hey, so I have a quick question for you too. This is something else that, uh, it's not even about this. It's not even about today's show. It's just something, Uh something a little extra, something I'm just throwing in there. No, it's not a rant. Um, I am curious though, collagen protein. I know we talked about supplemental protein in the past, but I don't know that we, did we, did we discuss collagen? Collagen, when we talked about protein powders, we talked a little bit about protein in general, we talked about um, we talked about uh, whey protein, whey isolate, whey um, um, whey concentrate, hydrolyzed, as I called it, hydrolyzed one time, whatever that means. Um, I believe we touched on collagen protein. Uh, I know we talked a little bit about pea protein, plant protein. Um, I know that we talked about several other proteins. Collagen was mentioned. I I can remember this in one show. Very briefly, but we did not go into detail about collagen protein. Uh, we did not talk extensively about collagen protein. We did we did talk about soy and why I do not like soy protein at all. Um, collagen, I think we mentioned certain things about the skin, the hair, the nails. Uh, collagen protein being something that's very beneficial to us uh, with the aging process, uh, helping us look younger, feel younger. So... That was where we left it, very general. Is there any benefits as far as muscle recovery? 
with collagen protein? Yes. Is it is it the number one protein for for muscle recovery? No, I don't believe so. Um, or uh, whey protein isolate, correct? Whey protein isolate is my favorite go to, uh, and definitely something where the ingredients are minimal. In other words, um, like IsoPure two thousand, they have one out there where it's whey protein uh, isolate hydrolyzed, and uh, maybe one other ingredient, and that's it. Literally, that's the only two ingredients on the package. Uh, you can't go wrong when it comes to that. That's one of the proteins I take on a regular basis. So I think one of the newest one of the newest things out there now too is they're starting to offer it in. Well, it may not even be that new. It's new to me. Uh, where they're starting to offer this stuff in pill form as opposed to the powder. Uh, not really sure why. I, I to my understanding it was so that you didn't have to you didn't have to mix it, but you got to take the pills with water. So I don't get. <laughs> I don't know. Besides the time saving, um, besides something that's you know time saving uh, benefit, I don't know why a pill would be better than ingesting it by mixing it in water and drinking it down. Um, um, I have no. I have. I literally have no idea. I bet you might have an idea, Ron, the pharmacist, and uh, so maybe we can ask him that question. Yeah, um, I know that because recently I think you had sent me a text that someone had sent to you uh, talking about Tony Horton having some new thing that's out and it was in pill form, some sort of a, a protein that was in pill form. Is that? Yeah, and, if, and, and anybody who knows Tony Horton, the, the P90X guy, everybody knows him as the P90X guy. Well, Tony's got a lot more under his belt than just P90X. That was his baby, uh, man, more than 10 years ago now, I believe. And, uh, and, uh, he really, uh, uh, he struck gold with that particular program and how he branched off of that with a nutritional program as well. Um, uh, he, uh, got real sick. Uh, he had a disease that was, um, it was causing basically atrophy to his muscles. His body was basically his muscles were being eaten away. And I forget what the name of the disease was, but it was very uncommon a uh, not very common disease. He was able to rebound from that. Uh, and he uh, went to work on a couple of different products that actually help with, um, you know, protein synthesis and building muscle lean muscle tissue, uh, and especially as we age, where um, catabolic becomes uh, very prevalent in our lives as we age, as opposed to anabolic. So, we have to look at what it is we can do to not only grow muscle, but to, to maintain it. And he came up with some formula uh, and a protein. Uh, and this person told me it was in pill form. I thought it was in powder form, but they did tell me it was in pill form. And I have not looked at it, Joe, since. So I don't take it. Um, are you researching anything as we speak? So, yeah, it was Ramsey Hunt syndrome. That he was diagnosed with. Yeah, it was yeah. very rare, very rare. And uh, he he has a he has a, a a website now. It's TonyHortonLife.com. I'm not really sure what's what's there, but it's just crazy to look at age 64. Wow, I remember when he's you know again the 45 old or, or 45 year old doing 45. Yeah, so he's 68 now or 64 now. So that's 19 years. That yeah. about went by since. And if, yeah, since, if you look since at the now, initial, since the initial P90X, because there's also P90X two and three. Yeah. 
Yeah, too. He's, he's 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 a big celebrity trainer as well. If you look at him now, he's definitely thinner. Uh, he doesn't have the same size on him that he did during P90X and before P90X, but he's still he's still ripped up, toned, um, and in fantastic shape. I mean, he really is. He, there's we can't. You know, you look at anybody now. You look at Arnold. Arnold is not the same as Arnold was. Arnold is 70 years old, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, actually, he's a little older. Uh, you look at Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris is 83 years old. Have you seen him doing his kickboxing workouts? At 83, he's taking guys down on the mat doing, I forget what, what type of um, uh, martial arts is his prevalent uh, practice, but 83 years old, I'm watching him take these guys down, and I don't care if it's slow motion. I don't care if it's 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 scripted. The guy's 83, and he's out on the mat looking like a like a 15 year old. Um, well, that has so, that has everything to do with with flexibility and mobility, and yeah, it just is basic training. Because here's the thing: when when you're into any sort of fighting, boxing. Uh, martial arts, whatever it may be. Everybody thinks the big muscle bound guys. There's a reason why these guys are they're they're full of muscle. Like they're they're strong. You have your heavyweights, right? Your Mike Tyson's, uh, who yeah, they can put all that into into you know a square inch in their in their right. front knuckles. Granted, uh, and and it has its place, but um, bigger muscles tend to slow you down. So that's why your bodybuilders that you see up on the stage aren't pro wrestlers aren't mma fighters you would think why would they be an mma fighter they cannot do they're they're so tight they're so slow these guys can't even bring their arms behind their backs how are they even going to you know how would they ever wrestle a conor mcgregor you know what i mean like he would he would just knock them down leg lock them and be done with it you know what i mean because they can't bend up to grab them <laughs> they, they're just they're like a I used to be like a turbo on the back yeah. you know I used to be amazed at Brock Lesnar and now he gets around yeah there's now, an example of a guy who's extremely mobile and extremely flexible for his size but I right. guarantee you I've never watched him work out I guarantee you flexibility is a huge part of his workout regime and I guarantee and it it's one of those things uh, where he he has losses he has defeats. And so we look at somebody that big and it's like, well, he'd, he'd have to be undefeated. Nope. <laughs> you know, uh, why? I don't know if it was a style or, you know, what happened, but there are defeats under his belt as well. So, um, you know, again, you're looking at Chuck Norris, who's doing things like martial arts. Well, yeah, his whole life has been about stretching and mobility and, and uh, you know, there's strength training, but it's more about, it's more for speed. It's more for endurance. It's more for, um again flexibility so yeah. yeah there's not a doubt in my mind i mean you see some of the old think back of the uh kung fu theater you know there was the real old guys were were the kung fu masters right well there's a reason why i mean they never stop practicing they don't stop practicing um you know even even just going through basic yoga uh these guys are, are maintaining their flexibility well into their later years well you know my you know my 80s my 80s brain is kicking in as we're talking about Kung Fu and karate. I'll leave it for a different show, but I know an older guy who was pretty good at karate at, a, at an older age, about five foot three, five foot four, maybe. Uh, Mr. Miyagi. Yes, Miyagi Do. At Morita. 
Yeah, Pat Morita. Definitely. That yeah, was acting, but I mean, still. Uh, Cobra Kai season, the final season. For all my 80s fans out there and people who love Cobra Kai, it's, it's over. I, f- I fell off. I fell off. I know that, that, that the cheese factor was something that we were supposed to just kind of kind of turn a blind eye to and enjoy the nostalgia. And that's just so, it got so cheesy to where they're about to, here's where I left off, to where they were about to do the state championship again to determine whether, I'm like, okay, I've already seen Karate Kid 1, 2, and 3. I just, I can't anymore. LaRusso is a million times more annoying than he ever was in the first three. I mean, I, I just. I'm team. I'm team Johnny. I'm, yeah, I've, I've always just, been. I've always been team Johnny. I've never wavered from Cobra Kai. Yeah, always team my favorite. Team Johnny's still stuck in the '80s. I mean, he's still listening to the well, same music. He's, he's well, stuck in his childhood. You know, man. Hash brown instead of hashtag. <laughs> hash brown. Send it to the internet. Yeah. Send it to the uh, internet. I'm not that bad. All right, but he's bad. He's way. He's drinking Coors Light Banquet uh, or whatever it is. I mean, I mean, he's really, he's really having a rough time moving forward. Uh, so that's all I got now for sure. But nonetheless, I can tell you this: Johnny Lawrence, Daniel Larusso, Mr. Miyagi, Brock Lesnar, uh, you, you name it, you name it. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when they're under the weather, or when they were under the weather when they were here with us, uh, they definitely took some time off before they went back into their workouts. I can guarantee it. Make sure you study your body and know your limits. Hope you got something out of the show today. Can't wait. See you guys next week. All right. Well, until next week, we want to remind all of you, be sure to give us a rating and review on your favorite podcast service. Also, if you have any thoughts, questions, comments, or opinions, you can leave us a message via the link in this episode's description. And finally, remember to join us every week, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for new episodes. Now, on behalf of Coach Tony and myself, thanks for listening. All right, everybody out there, be the best you. Monitor the situation. Listen, that pulse oximeter is like $25 at Walgreens, CVS, Rite Aid. Go get one. If anything, just for health reasons, even if it has nothing to do with exercise. Be the best you. Joe, body here.